This is a podcast asking the very best in the world how to stay resilient. I'm Michael Bungay-Stanier, and we will get through this. So my guest for this interview is a local boy, and I love that, a friend of mine from Toronto. I met Bruce Celery many years ago when he was a journalist on the Business uh, Network News, and he brought me in to talk about an early book, and I'm like, you're a good dude, and he is a good dude. And since then, not only has Bruce Celery gone on to be the host of the Million Dollar Neighborhood for the Oprah Winfrey Network, spent a decade as an anchor for BNN Bloomberg in Toronto and New York. He's also a money columnist for CBC Radio. I hear him on my radio all the time. And the North American syndicated television show City Line. He also hosts, and this is really why I'm excited to talk to him, he hosts Moolah, Money Made Simple, which is a weekly radio show on the personal finance for Sirius XM. So Bruce Celery, welcome. It's so nice to have you on this interview. Thank you so much for the invitation, Michael, and thank you for doing this. I think it's a brilliant idea and a time in which we all need to step up and go to what we know to be right. helpful to the world that's dealing with a lot of crap. It is very true. And it turns out that I know very little about how to deal with the world when it goes to goes to a lot of crap, but I do know some people who know some things, and you yes. are one of those people. So. I'm excited to talk to you just about how to think about wealth and money and finance in a time of crisis when times are hard. Mm. But I thought it's just, I mean, even when times are not hard, people and me, I'm thinking of me mainly, show up with a whole bunch of baggage around money. I mean, I remember seeing Lynn Twist, who wrote The Soul of Money, maybe 20 years ago, talk and just go, uh-oh, <laughs> I've, got some, I've got some work to do here. Why? What? Why do people arrive? Why is money so hard for people, Bruce? It is so hard. It was. It you know, my whole thing is about understanding why smart people do dumb things with money. And you know, right. at the beginning of my book, at the beginning of that, I always assert that as kind of a truism. And to a person, regardless of whether you have an MBA, you're a CFA, you're a CFP, you're a CEO, it doesn't matter. Everybody goes, oh yeah. It's totally me because we all are, you know, doing our best, but we're doing a lot of dumb things. And there, there are four particular reasons why that is. They're called the C factors. We can go through them in a second. But I think what I would say more broadly is that we are in a culture uh, in which money is a tech. Mm-hmm. You, you can't talk about it. There are many, many areas of life that uh, we have taken ground on in terms of our ability to uh, engage on mental health and on sex and on other areas that are, have historically been very difficult. Right. We've made almost no movement in talking about money. It is right. difficult to talk about. It can make us feel inadequate. We mm-hmm. do ridiculous things with it and it can be scary, very, very scary. The topic can be very, very scary. So that's kind of the background for any conversation that I come into is I know that people are like, oh my God, what is he going to talk about money? Is he going to make me share my salary? Or you tell people all the stupid things I did with parking tickets. (laughs) I know. I mean, it's, it's just, I'm just thinking about my own path and I've got a little bit better over the years, but I'm, I'm stunned to reflect on how much I inherit from my parents around yeah. how they talk about money and think about money and how 
just some specific acts that my parents did who who I wouldn't call them poor, but we lived close to the bone at times and yeah. just how some of you know, an overabundant mindset or a scarcity mindset can just infiltrate infiltrate the way that you show up in a way that is really kind of often below the surface and a bit subconscious and such an engine for how you show up and you deal with this dynamic thing that is so important as a key element of how you live a good life. 100%. I, I call it context. So context is the setting in which an event occurs. And no one ever talks about that. Like we don't shine the flashlight on the context that we have for money. And yet every single individual has one. And it is informed in part by your family of origins, you say, yeah. and in part by the messages that we're getting from uh, advertisers and from society all the time. They tell us what money is for. Money is for retirement. Money is for stuff. Money is for money is for money is for. And we don't pause and say, wait, hold on a second. I get, I have agency here. I get to say what money is for. And when I, when I say that, when I'm, what I'm talking about is not literally like your mortgage and food. I mean, the purpose of right. What is the purpose of money? And when people start to talk about that, you get the most inspiring answers, right? People will say, my money's for adventure. My money's for beauty. My money's for freedom. My money's for choices. My, they're not going to say, my money is for uh, the car right. payment. They're going right. to say something much more aspirational and inspirational. And when you shift the context from scarcity and when you shift it from the bills and you shift it to beauty or adventure, it's like, oh, let's have that conversation. Absolutely. Sign me yeah. up for that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it makes me think of the difference between needs and wants. Um, I came across that with Marshall Rosenberg's work, and he's basically going, look, wants are the superficial things. They're kind of the the quotidian daily stuff that you need to go, I I want that now. Needs, uh, you know, there's fewer of those. There's like maybe 10 essential needs, and you're you're pointing to some of them, you know, freedom or or choice or play. Um, And understanding what your drivers are around those deeper needs um, enables you to I guess, be much more a choice in terms of how you use your resources of which money is, is one. Yes. So um, tough times. And uh, when tough times happen, the patterns that you can fall into that seem to do okay for you suddenly break because you have uh, a different income coming in. It changes and you have different expenses going out and the, 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 routine you'd settled in around money has suddenly shifted and that can freak people out yeah so help me navigate a new world what 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 process would you take me through to think better and more robustly and less anxiously around money so in any uh process to get a handle on your money there are five steps and this was a real clarifier for me in times of crisis. Do my five steps still hold up? Do I have to throw everything down the drain? And I think they absolutely hold up. The focus is different. What you emphasize is different and all that. But I'll give you the five steps. Number one is to lay the foundation. And we're going to talk about what that actually means. Number two is to determine what you want. A month ago, that would have been people like, oh, do I want a farmhouse in Tuscany when I retire? (laughs) Or would I like a condo in Palm Springs? I don't know. 
So we're revisiting what that actually means. Number three is developing the plan. And we are in that, especially small business owners are in the thick of that because the plan has just changed. Mm -hmm. The fourth is to take action. And, uh, you know, without action, there's no results. So that's critical. And then number five is staying engaged. So so those are the five steps, right? The first one we've... the lay the foundation is about what I call the four C factors. And we've kind of talked a little bit about the first, the context, the setting right. in which an event occurs. There are real and present dangers. We're not messing around. This is a very, very serious situation. I was talking to uh, an executive yesterday who said there is an enormous difference between people who are on the front lines of the business world and those who are not. They're two different worlds. So if you have a job, job, say you're, you know, you work for the, 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 the uh, uh, you're a government employee and you're on salary yeah. and you've got funding, that is a completely different world than if you own an independent cafe. Right. That has shut down and you have a payroll and you have uh, rent and you have all that stuff. So uh, there are real and present dangers, 100%. And there are also imaginary dangers. There are dangers that we was like, oh, I, this, you know, everybody's talking about how horrible it's going to be that the stock market has declined so much. And for some people, that's relevant. For yeah. other people, it's just not relevant. So let's protect against what is real. Mm-hmm. And let's um, identify or distinguish what is imagined and not worry about that stuff. That's really so helpful. That is a very, I mean, very that's specific. A, that's, imme- that's immediately calming because uh, it's a, you know, th- there's a, there's a lot of kind of flares going up around. This is the, this is the other thing that's broken. And if you follow all of those flares, your, your heart rate goes up and you get, you get kind of sweaty palms. And so knowing asking yourself which of these dangers are real for me and which are ones that I'm are not real and that I can not worry about really important. Is, is this actually, is this a C? Is this, I know context is one of the C's. Is this it another is. C? Uh, no, that was, we're still on the first C, but let me okay. give you an example to bring this imaginary danger to life because people are talking so much about it and that's the stock market. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know how hard to engage with people on Twitter because it seems like it's a losing battle. People, <laughs> people will say, I have lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. And that is completely inaccurate unless you bought 10 days ago and mm-hmm. have sold. Mm-hmm. It's just not accurate. So people who have held on to their equity investments haven't lost a penny in real terms. They've got a paper loss, perhaps, but it's not not a real loss. So that is really important for us to keep in mind that if you're saving for retirement, say you're 50, Mm -hmm. say you're 60, and you're saving money to put groceries in your fridge when you're 75 and 85, that is that what is going on in the stock market today is not relevant to your 75-year-old self. It's right. interesting, maybe, but it's not relevant. Right. It's like, whatever. What's relevant to your 75-year-old self is the level of the stock market when you need to exit that to right. put groceries in your fridge. So the other thing that people get so nuts about is uh, that they feel like, oh my God, my investments are down and I'm going to need all that money. You're not going to need it all at once. Right. So even if you need to start withdrawing equity investments and the market has not rebounded, it's not like you're going to your broker and saying, sell everything. No, you're, you, may have to, you may have to exit some terrible equity positions, but it's not going to be 100%. 
And what most people will do if they've had a disciplined approach is they'll have some sort of fixed income or some bonds or some GICs or whatever that they can liquidate first in order to put groceries in there. So context really is about the setting in which an event occurs and endeavoring to have an empowering context versus a disempowering context. And the disempowering context is easy. Everybody's got their own version of it. I've lost everything. My life is a disaster. This is the worst thing ever in the history of the world. Totally disempowering, shuts down all action. You feel terrible. Mm -hmm. An empowering context is not diluted, but the, 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 here's an example, keep calm and carry on. And for some people that's like, you know what? That I got that. I can do that. I can right. picture the blitz and people who were living in the London underground. I can do that. It's not fun. It's not great, but I can do that. So I think so, that's the first thing is for people to find an empowering context for themselves. I love it. That's really helpful. Is there uh, is it useful to share the other three C's or sure. do you want to step on move on to step two of the plan? What, let's, what's the let best? Me do the, let me let me talk through the other C's because there's two points that I want to make. So yeah. so the second one is consequences, and this is the link between it's it's basically um, what happened. It's the outcome of something occurring earlier. That's what a consequence is. It's not bad or good. It's just the outcome of something occurring earlier. And uh, normally I would talk about people's strengths and weaknesses about money, but I think we can put that in the refrigerator for a bit. The third the third C is complexity. And I have a model called the priority pyramid, which helps people figure out what they should be focused on at any given moment. So we can talk about that. But the fourth C, and this is why I just love that you're doing this podcast, is about community. So Right. Two weeks ago, I would talk about, hey, hey, here's how we can talk about our money. And uh, and I think we can still have that conversation. It's just a bit more nuanced now mm-hmm. because with community, it's a group of people who have something in common. That's the definition of community. And we can think about what can I give to contribute to community and what can I get from or take from community? And right. you see it, these stories are so moving, right? People doing extraordinary things for their neighbors and cheering on the healthcare workers and doing all that stuff. So there's ways that we can give. And there are also requests that we can make of our community to get in the realm of money. And this, this was a couple of months ago, you could make these requests. These requests will be something that people will need to learn how to make better in the next year. Right. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine this morning and she and her partner live, uh, they don't have an abundant lifestyle. They, they live, as she said, you know, relatively week to week. But, but they were having a little bit more money coming in. And she was like, maybe we should give this to a food bank because that's one way of contributing to your community. But where they got to was actually to say, you know what, why don't we put this money aside? Because we know there will be people in our community who will need this. And we would like to be able to be in a position to have something to offer to those immediate people. Yeah. But it requires actually for most of us, for me anyway, to step in to more boldly into these two different sides of it. One is a willingness to give. Mm-hmm. And the other is a willingness to ask for help and ask for what we want. And, you know, as you're listening to this, you, you're probably better at one of those than the other. <laughs> and mm-hmm. actually it's useful uh, to go, how do I how do I strengthen the muscles on both sides? Because uh, a community is relationship, and relationship requires a reciprocity, both a give and a take. So where Bruce is pointing us to here is a really important duality. 
and that they don't, uh, reciprocity is not of the same good or service. So I have a dozen bananas. I give you a banana today. You don't give me a banana tomorrow. It's fine. Just eat the banana, enjoy the banana. (laughs) But tomorrow, what you could do is call and uh, read me some knock-knock jokes All right. because uh, that's what I need today. And I, Although really, I, I, I'm, seeing Marlon, I'm seeing you as Marlon Brando here going, <laughs> 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 request. Because, so here's what's hilarious. So I am, I hope, giving to the community by having this conversation with you. I am yeah. upstairs in my bedroom, hiding away, yeah. while another grown-up, is with my 10-year-old leading her and her four friends in a conversation about Harry Potter because in tiny school, that's what happens. So tiny right. school is something that we've made up and it's a way for all the grown-ups to have a little bit of time to continue with their yes. lives. And that's me 100% getting from the community in a way that allows me to continue to contribute to the world and earn a livelihood. Mm-hmm. I think we've got the four C's. In the interest of time, because it, honestly, clearly this could be a 45-hour conversation. Yes. And I know you've got your book, and I mean, you actually run this as training for people. Yeah. We, we've teased people with the four C's, and we've explained two of them in some depth. But take me to the next um, step of the plan, which is to, to determine what you want. Yeah. So goals are an extraordinary way to make the world real, to vision a future, to be excited about a future. And in regular times, we can think really holistically in long term. It's easier to think long term about the farm in Tuscany. Right now, I think our goals uh, may be, for many people, very short term. And for small business owners in particular, how do I put the business into hibernation and preserve cash? So as you think about goals, I mean, for this little tiny school, we talked about the goals for tiny school and they're a positive learning environment and uh, a way for parents to have some time to do things that aren't constant care of our, of our 10 year olds. So I don't think we need to spend tons of time on goals, but there's um, some short term ones that you may have. They're not lofty. It's not the Camino. It's not skydiving. It's, you know, can I... Uh, keep on top of my 83-year-old mom at the same time as my 10-year-old daughter and not be snippy with my husband. That's, you know, these are the, these are the, the bar has been lowered and I, gosh, I saw this great article that someone wrote about how important it is for our parenting standards to drop. Um, That's great. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Like forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. If you're doing the very best you can. We're doing the best we can. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any guidance on how to get clear on what you really want? Because what what do you want is one of the most powerful and the most tricky questions I know. Because when somebody asks me that, I go, Michael, said, what do you want? I get shifty. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't, I, I haven't really pinned that down. How do you help well, the people you work with to get to get kind yeah. of clear on what they want? It's, it really needs to be two distinct phases because uh, we, get, we can either get self-sensory and so we oh, I don't want to commit to anything. It, it's important to have the diverge and then the converge. Right. So I ask a series of questions that look at all the relevant realms of life. So that is physical health, mental health, home, second home, um, 
family? Do you want a kid? Do you not want a kid? Do you want your kid to move out of your bloody basement sometime soon? <laughs> like, you know, there's a whole bunch of questions that you can ask and that's yeah. diverge. You've got this crazy list. And then the converge is what are the two or three? What are the two or three that I'm going to work on? Right. Um, and so, so that then leads to step number three. And I'm just going to do the segue here because I think yeah, this is where the rubber is hitting the road for people is what's the plan? Yeah. And for people who really have never thought much about cash flow, and I think many people have not, suddenly they're like, oh, hold on. Wait a second. I'm a consultant. I am a speaker. I am a mm-hmm. uh, whatever it is. And I now, I mean, I don't know what your situation is. My speaking calendar is now free and clear. So step one on that front is um, prepare an emergency budget. And this is the expenses that need to be paid. So it's mortgage right. and rent. It's minimums on your credit card. It's your telecom bill, which I think for many families right now, and I say this only with my tongue half in cheek, telecom isn't more important than food, almost, like right. not literally. But we are so inextricably linked with the world around us via our uh, smartphones and our streaming products and all that stuff. So I don't want to minimize like... Yeah. Yeah, we need we need bagels over Wi-Fi. I, I don't know. I think I need some pretty terrible pasta before I got rid of my wife. <laughs> I think you're right. So so that's the expenses side. And then yeah. the second is the income side. And this is when you look at your sources of money uh, that for some people, they have job jobs and their employers yeah. are going to continue to pay them. And they might not even notice because they're just working from home. Big deal. Yeah. Don't tell that to a flight attendant because they've all been laid off, right? Right. So a source of income could be a job. It could be retained earnings in a corporation. It could be an emergency fund. It could be government programs. And governments, regardless of where you live, are stepping up in in certain ways, not across the board, but that's just a bunch of programs. It could be a line of credit. Some people may even have forgotten that they've got a, a secured line of credit on their house. Right. As a personal finance guy, I, I hope you forgot and I hope you never put anything on it, but now's the time. Now's right. the time to uh, to pay only your minimum on your credit card if you have to do that. When have I ever said that? Never, never, <laughs> but now's the time. Like right. You may need to do that. And and the, the other source of income that people will think about that this one I just please do, do, do not use this, but this is your retirement savings. We are in the early days of this. At some point, people may be so stricken that they have to start cashing in retirement savings. Do not do that in the short term. But right. that's kind of the, so that's the basic math. You've got these yeah. expenses, you've got these sources of income, what's the gap? And then the second part to that are the brains. It's the brainstorm. So I'll just go through a whole bunch of stuff. So expenses. So how do you put things in hibernation? You pause other services. If you've got a gym membership, you pause or cancel that. Um, You look at anything else that's recurring on your credit card, you pause and cancel that. You call your landlord and see if you can get a deferral on rent. And and I'm giving you the examples of people who are really in dire straits. Other people like- I I heard somebody the other day go and call your landlord and- if you're in a system where you give first and last rent, negotiate to use that last rent payment for yes. one of the upcoming months to yes. just slow down the spend because yes. you're not quite sure how long you need to make the pool of money you've got last. So yeah. you, you've got to kind of seal up all the holes and just have the water leak through as slowly as possible. Yes. And for mortgage holders, uh, be proactive. And if you think you're not going to be able to make your mortgage, call them. 
But we don't know at this point if that's going to have an impact on your credit rating. And frankly, I don't really care, even if it does have an impact on your credit rating. At this point, if you can't pay your mortgage, you need to pick up the phone, call your lender and say, I'm not going to be able to make it. So what else am I going to do? Same goes for your credit card company and your utility provider. Because yeah. what, we're, what we're seeing is not only on the government side, but on the uh, corporate side is it's in no one's vested interest for the economy to spiral into a vicious cycle, right? So right. It, it, the, the best we can hope for is that this shutdown is relatively limited in duration and that people can be back to their spending ways as right. quickly as possible. Right. So, so that's all some ideas on the, on the expenses front and on the income front. Like I realized I've got a whole bunch of flights. How can I get those yeah. refunded and get the money back in my um, pocket? Hey, Bruce, when, when people are making plans and developing the plan here and kind of moving to taking action, what are some of the, the kind of the dumb mistakes you see people making time and time again? Uh, they make assumptions about what they could possibly bear that are not accurate when put to the test. And I'll give you an example from a simpler time. When we lived in New York City, long before um, Airbnb, we rented out our apartment every single time we left the city. And at the time, it wasn't culturally accepted back then that you would do this. People were horrified. And they'd say, why are you willing to do that? And I would say, because I just paid for a beach house in Thailand. Right. Because I'm going to Costa Rica because I'm. And so I think now what we're forced to consider is really, really, really what are our assumptions and what are we willing to, what are some things that we're even willing to consider, not even commit to, but consider at this point. You know, one of the other guests on this podcast, Ken Loudon, talks about conditions of enough. (laughs) Yeah. And And it's about continuing to kind of ratchet back to you go if, if if this happened that would be okay and knowing where that line is and just that willingness to kind of push back to what does strip down look like what does bed down look like that what what are ways that i would be willing to find ways to bring in a little extra money um it's, it's a really interesting place to kind of clarify the ambiguity because there's clearly some stuff that's a yes and there's clearly some stuff that's a no, but the stuff that's a maybe you and your family and your partner probably haven't totally figured that out. And let's acknowledge that there's going to be some grieving in that because we have this future. It is what we're excited about. It's what we get, you know, we get out of bed because of this future that we're excited to live into and we're changing that. So this is going to sound like a super cliche and maybe trite example, but it's my 50th birthday this summer. And the big trip. Yeah, I know. You do not look a day over 49. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) But we have a trip to walk the Camino plant. And so amazing, amazing. We're hiking the Camino. Oh, great. Okay. So in the... um, it's Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, the bargaining phase. In the bargaining phase, I was like, okay, all right. So we just need the world to be up and running by like early June. And then that'll be fine. So I can go on my walk on the Camino in July. And that'll be, and it's like, no, no, Bruce, it's not happening. It's just not happening. That's not what you're doing this summer. Maybe you will one day. It's not what's happening. And I had to give myself a little bit of, room to go okay so and i give this truly as an example it's not life or death but it was something for me to go oh wait a sec i've got the flights we've got the books we've got like i'm all set to go and it's not happening and i think everybody has their own version of that 
Well, what's helpful about that is to say you get to grieve stuff that is real for you. And that can be an indulgence. I mean, uh, hiking the Camino is a luxury, special, extraordinary experience. And um, it's different from grieving a, I need to lay off some employees. Um, it's it, the, the experience, you know, the, the actual tactical thing is different, but the, the grief can be similar. And that process of whether you're, you're having to cancel your kids something or other, or you don't get to go on that 50th birthday, or you have to lay off some people from your business, grief is part of the process. 100%. 100%. I also want to just make one comment about when I'm talking about slashing all these expenses, I think there is a layer of compassion that we need to be responsible for. Mm. I would assert that a majority of people listening to our conversation live in a land of rel- relative privilege. So they have right. a roof over their head, they have food in their bellies, mm-hmm. they have the wherewithal to find you and find this podcast. Yep. Many of the service providers that uh, live in the world, cleaning people, um, tutors, all those sorts of things, they don't have the luxury of that. They don't have an emergency fund. They don't have any anything. So one of the notes of compassion that we can have, even if it puts us further into debt, even if it runs up our line of credit even higher, is to keep employed the people who are so on the edge that this is going to, could be cataclysmic. Yeah. Right? right? So that. let's not stop spending on everything because mm-hmm. that is even, that is going to be extraordinarily detrimental to a lot of people in our right. society. Yeah, that that's a fine line to walk, which is around how do you, play your role. Yeah, I mean, coming back to that first one of your seeds, which is around community, which is yeah. like, how do you contribute to your community in a way where you may pay a short-term price, but you're investing in the fabric of the, the world around you? Yes. It, it feels like we've kind of drifted into step four around taking mm. action. Have, yeah. Uh, uh, is there anything, I mean, it's pretty clear. It's like, if you have a plan, execute the plan. <laughs> yes. And I think where people sometimes uh, go wrong on taking action is they don't, uh, they aren't able to distinguish what is in the circle of control, what is in the circle of influence, and what is outside of those two circles. Right. So, and I, I have been on Twitter more than any, any time in my life. I have been on the news more than any time in my life. And none of that is in my circle of circle of influence. As a personal finance guy, I need to be aware of what's happening because I bring it to, the, to, yeah. to the world in the co- columns that I do. But a lot of people, there's actually no need to engage in those things. And if they're disempowering to you, just stop. Just mm-hmm. stop doing all that stuff and take action on the things that you can take action on. So I'm always reminded because I always keep forgetting this key inside of a to-do list involves a to, to not to-do list. Uh-huh. Which is like, Bill, how are you doing? And then what are you going to stop doing? You know, one of the questions that I keep coming back to, which I love, is that strategic question. It's like, if you're going to say yes to this, what must you say no to? Yes. But you can even you can even untangle that going, get clear on what your yeses are, and then get really bold about what your no's are, because now is the time to stop doing some stuff. 100%. 100%. And I, there are many people like me who are compulsive about uh, zero inbox, and where that, where that provides me with some angst is that I'm going to say no to something, but then I'm going to want to, I just want to keep it around. And I created a folder called not doing now. 
<laughs> nice. And so all the stuff that is like, I, I, I can't do it now. I'm not doing it right now, but I don't want to go away forever. I'm not keeping it in my email box. It is going into a separate folder. And at some point, if I want to go back and change my mind and say yes to that thing or do that other thing, it's totally fine. It's there. You go do that if you need to do that. But for now, I'm safe. If you're thinking about those uh, steps three and four, developing a plan and taking action, are there any things that you would encourage people to not do? I mean, are there any kind of like rookie mistakes or just unrookie mistakes that people make at this stage? Mm. I, I let me. I'm going to answer that in an inverse way. There are a couple okay. of other things that I want people to do, uh, and the first is super logical, and that is on taxes. If they owe you, file now, because they're going to move very, very quickly to try and give you a refund to get cash in your pocket. Nice. If you owe, delay on your payment, because right. they will be. There's you know many jurisdictions where they've already announced those delays. They'll be forgiving on that front. The second one, and this is going to sound horrendous, but I'm going to say it anyway, is if you do not have an up-to-date will, update your will. And 50% of adults do not have wills. And a a part of our audience is thinking, Bruce, what a horrible thing to say. No, actually, it's not a horrible thing to say. I say this all the time. I do segments on it. I talk about it all the time. But I think it's extra important now because we have a threat to our mortality that did not exist for you know the world yeah. four months ago. So it, yes, the risk is still infinitesimally small that you're going to get the virus and die, but it's yeah. higher than it was three months ago. Yeah. So uh, you need to get a will. And there's lots of online ways to do that. They're not the best. It'd be better if you had an estate lawyer do the $1,000 version, hooray for you. If you don't have a thousand bucks, you don't have a estate lawyer. At the very, 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 very minimum... Yeah. Just do an online one so there's something. And I hope we will not lose one more life. We are going to lose at least one more life. For sure. Good advice. Step number five, stay engaged. And this immediately struck a chord with me because I can kind of, I start strong and then I tail off. You know, that that joke, there are two people in the world, those that start things and... um, Exactly. I'm that second type of person. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. It took me a second to get that. That's brilliant. Yes. So, so the stay engaged piece is um, one of the amazing things about the world we live in today is that so much can be automated. So uh, if you're a person who does have continuity of income, now is the time to take a second look at what you've automated and what you haven't. uh, Coming back, to the stock market, if you're saving for retirement and you have income coming in, I sure hope that's an uh, automatic monthly withdrawal because mm-hmm. it, with the stock market down as horrendously as it is, if that's there can be some values there. If that's something that you you know you believe you're going re- to require equity investments for retirement, you might keep that going. Uh, I have all sorts of tricks. Uh, one of the tricks that I instituted because of some feedback from my dad dental hygienist <laughs> was to put flossing in my calendar on repeat. Nice. And I did that and it worked and now I'm a regular flosser. But for other people, that's, you know, like a month, it, maybe it's a weekly review of your emergency budget or, 
you know, there are all, all, all sorts of little projects that you can take on. If you're one of those people who really just has done much to do right now and you're going through the Netflix catalog and reading books, this is a great time for you to get on top of your financial paperwork. Shred the stuff that's no longer relevant, um, you know, do some more thinking about yeah. personal finance, read a book, buy a book, whatever. Uh, but you need structure to have you stay engaged. You really do. I, here's one other example uh, is a lot of people pay for financial advisors. Many, many, many people stay pay for financial advisors. Yeah. And yet the number one complaint you will get if you talk to a financial advisor is uh, my clients don't call me back. <laughs> right. And you think, okay. Think of another service. <laughs> Let's say you, you have 500 right. grand it is a nest egg and you're paying uh, 1%. Say you're paying five grand to a financial advisor, right. 10 grand, whatever the number is. Think of another thing you spend that amount of money on that you completely ignore. You don't even call them back. You don't book your monthly or your annual appointment. Right. You don't open your statements. You don't engage. So this may be a time if you do work with a professional like that to say, oh, hi, Let's yeah. talk. Let's do some work on this. Exactly. Bruce has been really fantastic. Taking us through the four C's and the five steps of your planning process for Mueller has been really helpful. Um, any final reflections, any kind of ki final comments to kind of send us out with a kind of renewed vigor in our step around, look, this money thing is scary, but I can get on top of it. I can manage it and I can make it into a regular ongoing plan to build my resilience. Yeah. It is pronounced moolala, moolala, with an M. And the reason that, that I have called everything that I do, if I frame it under that brand, is because it's it doesn't need to be scary. It's yes. not about money. None of this is about money. It is about inspiring people to get a handle on their money so they can live the life they want, so you can live the life you want. And there are many, many tools to living a great life. Money is an extraordinary tool. Uh, our parents would have deemed themselves to be failures if they did not teach us how to use the tool, tool called a toothbrush. Yes. So as grownups and as parents and as um, spouses, let's get better at using the tool. It is an amazing, amazing tool. The thing that I will say, having covered the markets for as long as I have and looked through the history books and been through some cataclysmic declines, is I truly, truly, truly believe that we are going to get through this. And it will be a, a marker in history for all of us that we will not be able to believe what went down in that horrendous time in 2020. Yep. But we have to believe that things are going to get better. And so let's use this time to be resilient, to position ourselves for the future, to be great with the people around us, and to have a good time. Bruce Ellery from Moolala, you are awesome. Thank you so much. 100% my pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. Hey, it's Michael here. Two things before you go. The first is a gift. The second is a request. The gift, I want you to go to mbs.works and hunt down the year of living brilliantly. Really, it's some of my best work because it is a 52-week, 52-teacher, absolutely free video-based course where... I spend a lot of time curating some of the smartest people I know and saying, teach me the best of what you've got. If you're looking to really step up to have a year that's just a little bit sweeter, a little bit better than the year you've just had, 
that is a terrific resource. So please go and check that out. Absolutely free, no obligation, nothing required other than for you to sign up and get going on it. And then for the request, I just want what every podcast host wants, which is a little bit of love. So if you'd consider going to iTunes or Spotify or whatever your favorite podcast platform is and giving the podcast a bit of a rating and a bit of a review, that would be amazing. Thank you.